Star jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. We should be able to hear the magnetic resonance field. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow, and with me is my co-host, Susan Fox. Exterminate! And our other guest co-host, <laughs> Liz Carley. Who is with us? Uh, she was one of the co-producers of the Corsair's Closet Radio Show, the cosplay Doctor Who cosplay radio show. Say hi, Liz. Hi, nice to be here. Nice to be out of the closet for a change. <laughs> and our guests today are Oni Hartstein and James Harknell. Welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having us. Uh, what do they do? Let's find out. Um, Oni is, I did a, I've been sort of following your adventures, so to speak, on Facebook for a while, Facebook and the internet, and you are, you're quite notorious. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting term. That's one way to describe it, yeah. <laughs> I guess appropriate. <laughs> you two together have been producing conventions for, for quite a while. Uh, tell us about your latest one and, uh, I mean, this is this is fun stuff. This is yeah. I'll let you talk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, enlighten us with your wisdom, O oh wise ones. You well, um, this past weekend we just finished the first Regeneration Who, which is a Doctor Who convention in uh, Hunt Valley, Maryland area, and uh, it was beyond amazing. It was our first event, but we really kind of tend to take things very seriously, so. Most people have said it's it felt like a third or fourth year event, and it really was that strong. Yeah, we uh, we started off with intervention, as you uh, as you alluded to earlier. We've been doing events uh, since 2010 on our own, and we've been part of uh, many other uh, events as staff before that. Uh, we did intervention for five years, which is interventioncon.com, uh, which is an educational event uh, more oriented towards. Uh, indie DIY online artists. Mm -hmm. But uh, Regeneration Who is our first fandom-oriented uh, event. And, uh, yeah, we just did it. Um, for the first year, we got uh, over 1,600 attendees. Wow. Um, That's impressive. Yeah, it was it was crazy. We, uh, we kept getting people calling us up asking if we had locked the doors on it. Uh, and 1,600 actually <laughs> pretty much – it was actually a little closer to 1,700 – uh, but we were very close, in fact. Uh, the venue, we had basically decided that 2,000 was the maximum. So we uh -huh. were just within a few hundred of having to actually stop. 
Um, the cold and a few other things may have knocked down the number slightly, uh, just because it, you know, it ended up being a little bit of snowy and a little bit uh, freezy out there. But other than that, it was a phenomenal response uh, from the Doctor Who uh, community. Um, and right before the event, we had already gotten over 900 pre-regs. Uh, so we knew that there was going to be a very, very strong turnout. Um, it just was unbelievably strong in terms of the community's presence uh, throughout the entire event. Uh, overwhelming number of cosplay people, overwhelming number of people involved in almost every single panel, which was nearly unprecedented. Even niche panels were practically standing room only. So it was uh, yeah. it was an amazing experience it to be was... part of something to behold i have never in all my years working conventions seen an emotional response as strong as we got this last weekend we would have people you know we got a standing ovation at the end for the feedback panel and attendees were literally crying there were tears everywhere oh my goodness um, yeah people would walking through the hall all weekend yeah. people would grab my hand give me a hug thank me so much i had people that actually like fell on the floor crying like thank you for the best weekend of my life i've never seen anything yeah, like this seen. before and, it was and, insane and while well, i like to believe it's entirely you know, all just us. <laughs> the reality is, we managed to come and uh, and bring together a phenomenal guest list um, of both the sixth and so and seventh Doctor eras, as well as um, from uh, slightly earlier with Deborah Watling from the second Doctor era, and right. many great artists and writers from all different eras, and of course uh, the big the big notable thing was the Tom Baker Skype, which yeah. came off really well. And that, no that convention was in America has gotten Tom Baker's support in recent years, but we managed it. Yeah. And I am not kidding. The line for that panel was Wrapped out the around panel the building. room, <laughs> all oh, through I the function it. <laughs> space. It was all through the other side of the function space, yeah. out up the stairwell, and it actually, the line wrapped back around itself. Yeah, it was, well, it was crazy. Like most of the con was actually in that room. Oh boy! He is the doctor? Wow! Of, yeah. Amongst all, you know, above all others, especially to the Americans. Yeah, that, that's really quite a, a coup. Miss. That that was that was really an oh, accomplishment. Really, he didn't have to travel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and it he's getting on in years, you know. And yeah. it took uh, about forty people on uh, total to make that happen. On our side, we also had a studio in the UK. Hang, hang on a sec. We're we're break. Your signal's breaking up. Can you repeat that? We uh, we had a huge team that yeah, made that work. Oh out. boy! I, I think we may have to reestablish our connection. Oh, okay. Oh wait, what? there you go. Oh, you're back. Are you back? Yeah, you're back. Yes, yeah, oh, okay. Now we got you. Okay. Why yeah, we uh, why we did had it a, take forty people. For yeah, it, it took a lot. I mean, we had we worked with um, basically Tom has a studio. Well, he doesn't have a studio, but there's a studio near his house that he does his big finished audio work at. So we basically hooked up with those guys over there, did the testing and all that. And then our own tech team came together uh, to make sure that everything worked on our side. So it was a, a cross-the-pond uh, effort to get this to work out, and, and it, it worked perfectly. We yeah. were able to keep everything set, and it's you could see and hear them, and everything was great. It's certainly, and I, I'm not even exaggerating on this, it was very complicated, and it's certainly not something any team could have pulled off. I truly believe that our AV team yeah. is the best. 
And and I know we were nervous up to the last minute that it would work right even so with all the precautions and testing that we did. And we pulled it together and it was phenomenal. Yeah, I was. And Tom was just so delightful to work yeah, with. Yeah, so wonderful. funny. And of course, I introduced myself to him and I thanked him for the note that he left me in the package he sent me. And of course, he did the laugh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. He sent us a few little gifts, which were hysterical. Uh, we we had wrapped. Uh, we we did a, a a thing with him where he uh, was going to do some autographs for pre order for attendees. So we developed the image along with one of our artists, Kelsey Wales, and she did a phenomenal job. And um, we wrapped it up with some other um, blank uh, paper, uh, photo paper, to protect it. But he took the opportunity to write uh, some some funny stuff on he it. He autographed it. Yeah, he autographed <laughs> oh, it. <sweet. laughs> and the best part was one of them was completely blank, and he actually autographed it as Tom Baker as the Invisible Man. And he signed it. <laughs> We're framing it and putting it on the wall because it's That's the only appearance of Tom Baker as the Invisible Man. So <laughs> it's exclusive to us. That's so, so perfect. Yeah, it was great. That's completely amazing. And that... That's something, and you're, this is a first-year convention, am I correct? I'm, yeah, this was our first year doing Regeneration Who. Yeah, to get a, somebody like Tom Baker for your first year and to sell out like that, you guys are to be commended. Well, thank so you very how, much. How hungry we are on this side of the pod. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, yeah, speak, speaking as, you know, somebody... Speaking as hungry fans on this Yes, side hungry fans ourselves, and, you know, having, uh, you know co-run a, a podcast devoted to Doctor Who it, it, it's always kind of hard to find anything to latch on to and with so such a long span between seasons now it's it's getting to be almost uh, Sherlockian having to, to wait for new material I know right? Oh yeah Oh yeah exactly and you know this area, the mid-Atlantic area uh, was a great void for this I mean, they, you know, there's there's events out on the uh, West Coast and in the middle of the country. And then one of our, our uh, friends, uh, friendly groups that, that we really like working with, uh, started one out in Long Island uh, with um, with Long Island Who yeah. uh, just a few yeah. years ago. But, they you aren't, know, they aren't officially affiliated with us, but no. they're very friendly. We, they're, they're mm-hmm. friendly. Ken came down to us. The guy, their showrunner came down. To our event, uh, and he had invited us up to Long Island, who so we're very friendly and we we love to work with those guys. Um, but you know, there wasn't anything down in this area, at least not for a very very long yeah, time. And it's such a a good area for the um, the public transport and all the universities. It's a huge market. I mean, we were shocked when we looked around when we were thinking about doing this, and we were like, okay, so where are the? Oh, there's no other events. You know, we were, we were just like, wow, again? who would not have done this? What city was this again? We we were actually right outside of Baltimore. Okay. Uh, That's what the, I thought. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's Hunt Valley, uh, but it's mm-hmm. within the sphere of Baltimore, Maryland. Well, it's not like there is a fandom in, in Baltimore area. The, uh, mm. the They've had a number of world cons there. Oh, yeah. No, there's certainly – but that's the thing. There's a huge fandom, but uh, for some reason, for I don't know how many years – there's never been Since anything. The 80s, I think. Uh, yeah, I think it, the last one might have been in the mid 80s. That was a dedicated Doctor Who con, and uh, when we announced it, July Fourth weekend of last year, the the amount of fervor that jumped out, where you know the hashtag I think was being used was something like um, what was it like void filled, void filled, oh, uh, ooh, and wow. 
Yeah, and it was, you know, that seems to be what really latched into the community, that, you know, they all knew each other. They all went to, you know, if you go to any of the other events in the area, you'll see a fairly strong Doctor Who cosplay, and there'll even be a few panels here and there. And that's why when we were thinking about what we wanted to do for our first fandom-oriented event, we basically, well, we love Doctor Who. I mean, we wouldn't do an event if we didn't like it. But then we realized, well, yeah, there's this great void. Why don't we do something we like and also bring a community together that really wanted to have their own home base event? And it really um, sounds like that's what you've done is created kind of a haven for the Doctor Who populace in your area. Exactly. I mean, that's really what the feedback we got on um, on Sunday at the end of the con when we did our feedback panel was was amazing. You know, the people basically saying, this is what I was looking forward to for forever. Uh, and it was a range. There were Somebody people who... was, was tweeting, um, a lot of people actually were tweeting, Regeneration Who, where dreams come true. The Disney, <laughs> oh the Disney logo, the slogan. Oh, my. Yeah. And, yeah. And people oh were my. saying, they, they were, were saying ready you for made miracles time. happen and, and best day, best weekend of my life. Oh, and wow. I'm like, are you guys joking? Because something has to be Yeah, wrong. I mean, you know, like, <laughs> you almost start getting worried that people are just, like, yesing you or, or just, like, trying to be whatever. But the reality is, I mean, look, people yeah, one or two people do that. It's you know you're suspicious, but when yeah. a thousand people do it, you maybe start to get the hint that something's yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah. Exactly. And this is a, doing this it right. is a very dedicated <laughs> fandom. They're there to have yeah. a good time. They're not there to shoot you down. You know, oh, and they're yeah. not. They're a little bit of cold doesn't bother them. I mean, you know, all those scarves. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, they got scarves uh, and long coats. Yeah, but exactly. in, it's indoors. I mean, the this is was not, made for cold weather. It's <laughs> true for bloody British weather. This is exactly. true. Exactly. DC's through. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes I mean, you wonder what other fandoms. Uh, what? Where else is there a, a, a void? You know, who else? Yeah. Who else wants a convention there? Yeah. There was um, a toddler that came up to me with his dad's camera, and he just walks up to me and takes a photo of me, puts the camera down, and says, "Thank you for making the best day of my life." And he walks back to his dad. Oh my god, that's so sweet. Yeah. Someone got coached, but still. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was, it was, he tells you his parents were having a good time. You know. Clearly. Oh yeah, it was. It was definitely a fun time. I mean, a lot of the things that came together were 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 very unique. Um, in fact, we are the first American appearance of Patricia Quinn at a Doctor Who or as part of the connection to Doctor Who. Oh, wait, she's what never, is her she's connection with Doc- another Doctor Who? Yeah, I don't America. recognize her either. Wasn't she in Rocky Horror? Yeah, she played Magenta. Magenta. But, she's, but she also has starred in Dragonfire with Sylvester McCoy and Sophie uh, Aldred Henderson. <laughs> She was that Sophie's as Ace's first appearance, and she uh, Patricia Quinn was in that episode, and she's also done big finish work uh, for Doctor Who. Oh, so she's okay. yeah, so she was goodness. involved with Doctor Who, uh, and in fact, since we so had so there's Sylvester that Doctor and, and Who Sophie. Rocky horror connection, which I never <laughs> well, expected would yeah. be a thing. Yeah, well, we had a thing. We, oh, her God, panel, now I'm you know look thinking you know Frankenfurter with a. With a scarf, and it's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> Bow ties ah. and fishnets are cool. <laughs> well, one of her panels was actually titled uh, "Time Warp to Time Lords." Oh, and it, oh, it wow. made sense. Oh, sure. So I think I get fun. extra points for. I get po- extra points here for recognizing Patricia Quinn's name before he. 
You do, because I, I, I'm familiar with Rocky Horror, but I didn't even recognize yeah. it. So, yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> Every, see, everything connects back to Doctor Who. You, you know, yep. Nope. So, so did the two of you um, get together because of conventions? I know your history goes way back. What was that? No, well, I don't think so. No, not, not directly. We're actually, funny enough, a product of online dating before online dating even happened. Okay. Huh. We, we were back in ye olden well, I days. I met your friend in a chat yeah. room. And Back in MIRC met, I met, days. I met his friend on IRC in person, and his friend brought James with him. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, yeah, so we ended up meeting. We ended up talking online for a year and a half, and then we went on a few dates, and it worked out, and, well, there, there's where history goes. Yeah. That's... That's a great story. It <laughs> it's is. great. And, yeah. and the internet has been part of your life together ever since. Yeah, pretty so, much. So, and the the next thing you did, uh, that was the uh, um, intervention. intervention. Yeah, we started intervention in 2010, um, which was an outgrowth of basically what we were doing before that, which was uh, blogging and online comic mm-hmm. uh, work. And we wanted, again, sort of like how Regeneration Who is sort of like a home base in this area for, for Doctor Who, intervention was meant and is meant to be a home base for online artists like podcasters, videographers, and also bloggers, convention runners. Yeah. Anybody cuz the idea is like anything geeky and fun and cool, if you do it, come here, show it off and teach other people how to do it and they'll teach you how to do what they do. It's it's a big weekend of collaboration yeah, and networking, motivation. learning. I and think also that fun. makes it unique. I I have never heard of a conference like that. Well, that's well, why we started it again. That, that was yeah, SmothCon was uh, yeah was specifically about people who work on science fiction conventions. But yeah. that's that's as close as I've I've heard lately. And there are uh, content specific conventions like VidCon for YouTubers. Yeah. But I I've never heard of anything either, which is uh, sort of both specific and generalized like that. You know, for internet, you know, like content creators. Yeah, we came yeah. up with the um, the tagline, the premier showcase of online creativity. Which pretty much is what we feel we try to show off every year at the event. Um, it ends up having like a lot of fun elements. You know, we do other things like we have arcade games at the event and all that. Things for one when you're not like actually learning how to do Photoshop work or how to write uh, a world like a background for a world. Yeah, you well, know, it, it may you can seem, do fun stuff too. It may seem disjointed, but honestly, all of you know, if you do a blog, you do a podcast. If you're in a band. Any of this stuff, we all share the same or a similar business model and marketing structure. So it really doesn't necessarily matter what you make. How you connect that to your fans is very similar. And, you know, a lot of these people that do different things, you find if you're, if you're a blog, blogger, you may make a video or a film. Like it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's like the new way of doing business online. And I think it's been very helpful to so many people so like far. Krypton Radio is going to be doing some, uh, uh, work on YouTube as well. Yeah, you know, Crystal so. yeah. Radio better be going to Intervention next time. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're going to try. When is we're it? Sure. When's the next one? August 14th through 16th uh, this year in Rockville, Maryland. Okay. And, I mean, one of the things that we were just talking about is we kind of think of it as the octopus. Um, <laughs> it's very difficult to have only one arm anymore in what you do as an artist mm-hmm. or a creator. You really need to have multiple arms all stretched out doing various different things. You know, if you're if you um, if you're a blogger, 
you do need to figure out ways to get involved with other types of media. If you're a podcaster, you might want to look at doing video versions. You know, if you do mm-hmm. video, you might want to get involved with uh, comic versions or if they, I mean, you know, you really kind of want to get what you're doing out to as many channels as possible. Yeah. And it's, that's, that's it's all about like transmedia now. I mean, this yeah. is the, it, the transmedia phenomenon when we've covered this uh, with other guests on the event horizon uh, over the past year um, is that uh, a great idea should be portable from one medium to another fairly fluidly. And, um, uh, often the best approach is to do several of them at once to tie them all together and just make a creative thing that's bigger than, uh, bigger than any one media, bigger than it could be on any one medium. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the classics, you know, a book gets turned into a movie, which can oftentimes be turned into a comic book or a game or a game. Or, you know, some kind of, you know, music soundtrack. I mean, it was always there. It just was done in a different fashion. Now with the Internet uh, as a distribution model, which is very low cost for most people, you just have to know the group that you can form to be able to do that. If you're brilliant, of course, you can do it all yourself, but it's very rare that you can do that. And for our events, the reason why they exist is because we were able to pull together uh, a brilliant group of people that could do intervention and then after five years of working on that, transform along with the, uh, a new infusion of people to do this uh, Regeneration Who event. And it, it's all, you know, it's all about the same sort of deal, bringing together mm-hmm. really strong people to be able to do what they they need to do to bring the whole thing together. So that's part of why Regeneration Who had uh, had such a strong positive response. You had a good running head start. We we did, and our reputation is flawless. I I'm very transparent on what we do because I believe we don't have anything to hide, and it helps people get to know us quicker. And when we said, you know, I actually had people approach me because they didn't realize it was you know our Doctor Who convention. And they're like, there's this Doctor Who convention in Maryland. I said, I know, it's mine. And, <laughs> and at that point, they screamed, oh, it's you. Oh, I know it's going to be done right. Oh, and they were even more excited. Oh, yeah. And, re- and really, it was, they were totally <laughs> that is right. so great. Well, the funny part is, if you go back and look at our 2010 con book for intervention, yeah. we actually basically give a spoiler away. You know, spoiler, sweetie. <laughs> um, if you go back and look, we reference Doctor Who in that. And the reality is our plan was all along to get the team solid for doing our first event before we looked at doing a second event. And, you know, basically, as I said, all along, we knew we were going to do something we really loved. And it was even back then, it was pretty obvious the direction we would end up with, um, you know, going towards the Doctor Who fandom. Um and uh, you know it it it, def- it worked out. We did we did the five solid years. We have five year plans, um, and we have even more five year plans. Yeah, <laughs> I, I plan in five year arcs actually, and I can even say this is what a lot of indie creators do poorly because I've seen it in mm-hmm. my career. Um, they think too small and too immediate. Uh, I I've had a few people that you know I've known and. You know, they, they, if something doesn't work within a year, they get like despondent and they give up, or or they just drop out. 
it really takes five to ten years to build anything big. And, you know, somebody got mad because they were like, oh, who is this woman to come out of nowhere and do this? Well, I've been doing this since 2003. So there's no overnight successes. It's all hard work. And it's all about being positive and constantly going out to events, building your network because you need a team to go with you. I mean, that's really it. Yeah, I mean, you you know, for anything, you need to have the foundation. Yep. Um, you know, and, and we built that uh, over time. I mean, even before 2010, we actually worked on a, quite a number we of events cons, at, yeah. at all kinds of levels, even up to basically being invited to be, you know, guest directors uh, at an event. Yeah, we actually created a department huh. in, uh, in Katsukon that was for internet culture and, and web comics. Oh, wow. And... Um, we generally are the people that get paid to go to conventions to speak even before we started interventions. So it's all a gradual thing. And what pains me is I had seen people in 2010, 11, see what we did with intervention and they tried to do it. This like not the same concept, but a convention that's mm-hmm. focused. And, and I think they thought that it was easy because we did it. So they could do it and you too. Made it, and you made I it could look tell, good. I can tell when <laughs> things are going to fail. And I was like, they're in trouble. And I was like, do you guys need any help? And they were like, oh no, we're fine. And then they failed. And it, it's just depressing to me. So I always want to impress on people how to build something rather than just jumping in to the high point. There's many people have lost a lot of money you on can doing stuff. You easily lose twenty to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And, and actually, oh, funny enough, it. to that to that point, at intervention, we've actually always had some sort of like low level track idea of basically coming to speak to us about what you know you might be able to do or think about for an event. And we're actually going to start building that up even more, like a con runners. Or showrunners track. Yeah. Well, also, I think we we run events a little differently than some other people. We have probably the best social media and blog presence of any convention I've ever seen, and that's not just me tooting my horn. Like we really do actually go above and beyond where I don't see anyone else doing it. That's I think they're going to start true. doing it now that they've seen us do it. So that's <laughs> yes. good. That's observably true. I mean, one of the uh, what you were just saying about. Um, uh, it taking so much time to build your social sphere uh, around your project. Um, while you were seeing that, Susan was <laughs> pointing some very sharp, pointy fingers at me, saying, "Listen, listen to what she's saying." <laughs> and, you, uh, you, you, you. Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, for anybody who who wants to launch their own project. Uh, the social sphere, getting your community around you, is as important as the the work that you're doing to to show them. I mean, many many great artists throughout history have done great work and only been found out posthumously because somebody managed to find you know what they had written or drawn mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, Wasn't that like Van Gogh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, many people. The Doctor Who reference. Well, William Blake. <laughs> Yes. William Blake is somebody I always think about because I was an English major, and he's got a phenomenal depth of poetry, but almost none of it was known while he was actually alive. And, you know, that's the whole, the, the saddest thing is there are probably an overwhelming number of artists out there who do phenomenal work and nobody ever hears them because they don't know how to go about getting the word out or, or even know how to get their items in front of people at all. Um, and that's part of the reason why we started intervention, but it's also, you know, 
it's a holistic understanding about how to do anything nowadays. You know, in the past, you could sign to a label or you could get signed for a book, you know, company or whatever, and you just relied on them doing it. And even that wasn't positive in all cases because we know people who had book deals and their their company gave them a horrible cover for their book, didn't promote their book at all. And then, you know, it did sort of okay. But the thing is, it's, it's you know, you have to embrace a lot of this stuff and really kind of dive into it to do it well anymore. And it's difficult, and it takes time, and it takes a lot of effort. But that's true for almost anything that you want to have any real return on in life. And um, you just have to jump in and do it, research and, and, and do it. And... Um, you know, what What we try to do is we try to look out and look at the whole uh, spectrum and, and for especially for event running um, and find what works and what doesn't work and and try to make what works even better and what doesn't work as minimal as possible. Um, you know, and, and from our experience, we've been guests, we've been vendors, we've been in an artist alley and we've been attendees. And each one of those classes, as we did it, we actually said, okay, we were at this event. What didn't work? And then what did we really like? And we cataloged these lists, and we try to add to those lists each time by basically saying, what if I were this? What would I want to do? And it's amazingly simple, but a lot of times events or going back to artists, they don't think about that, you know, and, and you really yeah. have to. Like with events, how many times do they make the artist alley people go through regular registration, which means you're going to have attendees in your event before the artists are at their tables, and that doesn't do anyone any good. Yeah, I mean, like you have to understand, like, what do, what do vendors and artists want to do? Well, they want to get to their table set up. So at our events, we always have them go directly to the vendor room or the artist alley and just check in there. You don't have to wait in line. You're not standing in a line for eight to ten hours or however long, you know, if you're at a huge event. Um, you, 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 you think about what their experience is best for them, and you try to basically do that. No, con- um, no convention I've ever seen does that except yours, apparently. And it's, it's, it seems like a no-brainer when you say it, but I've, yeah. never, I've never seen anybody on the West Coast doing that. Certainly, certainly, San Diego Comic Con does not do this. I, I don't understand it. It's so such a simple idea, uh, and, you know. Again, because we've been vendors and artist alley participants, we sat back and said, "Well, hold it. How do I want to be treated? Why do I? Why would I? You know, why would I want to stand in a line for forever? Uh, you know, and that's cutting down my ability to make sales. It's cutting, and it, it even affects the event. If you think about it, you walk into a vendor room and half the tables aren't set up yet when it's open. Well, that really doesn't even help your attendees. Really bad first well, impression. Oh, yeah. Because we're just cattle, and once they've got our money, who cares? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We, you know, again, for attendee experience as well, you want to think about like people who are going to the event. Well, what what works for them? One of the things that's always blown my mind about events is how uh, poorly most events do signage where, you know, you don't know where you're supposed to go. You don't know. You don't know what you're supposed to do. And we try as hard as we can to put up enough signs um, that, you know, pretty much wherever you are, where you're supposed to go. Um, regeneration who is the first time in the in the venue so we didn't quite nail that for this year um we 
we uh, ended up um, not having as many signs at ultimately as I was I was hoping we would. It's still pretty well, but though. it still worked really On well. On our standards, you have to keep in mind our standards are pretty are much obsessive. higher than yeah. well, you know, we're, we're, we're we're obsessed with this. You know, when I go for other events, you know, I keep my mouth shut, but I generally am like, wouldn't do it that way, wouldn't do it that uh-huh. way. Why is that on that level? Put that on that table and flip it. Yeah. You know, like that's that's how we I went, think. When we I go went to events. a fairly large convention recently, last September. In which the uh, you know we we had oh, a table in the exhibit room, to... and we couldn't find our table. Why? Because they had not numbered the aisles. Oh, wow! They told us what aisle there number no, we were supposed to be supposed on. Supposed to be on, and no one and no everyone was wandering around looking for their yeah. table because the aisles weren't numbered and the tables weren't numbered. They're just oh, like rows and rows crazy. of tables, and that was it. When we put and this was signs. a big convention. We, yeah. we put up a layout, we put on the tables the numbers and their names so that they can find where they're at. Also, we escort them to the table. Oh, yeah. my goodness. That definitely helps. <laughs> oh, my yeah. goodness. I mean, the, the the vendors and the artists must love you guys. Because yeah, they're, they're not actually, treated like that anywhere you know, else. You, you know the whole shut up take and take my money, mm-hmm. ma'am? Mm-hmm. Well, many of the vendors were already telling us on Friday or Saturday... Um, can I confirm my table for next year? <laughs> before the convention had even Yeah, finished. even before it was mostly done. I have gotten considerable amount of complaints from attendees that they can't give me money. And I have people <laughs> in the thread on my Facebook just asking to give us money just to help us buy equipment. So oh, we wow. may do that. <laughs> yeah, you, you mentioned uh, on your Facebook page that you need some extra equipment that you don't have uh, currently for, for the next one. Oh, what do they yeah. need? What are, you, what are you shy on? Well, the way it works with most conventions, at least in our inexperience, is that it takes quite a while before you can build up your inventory of items. Um, we were very, very lucky that we have great relationships with many of the other events in the Northeast, um, such that they were willing to help us out with infrastructure itemry. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, uh, laptops. Uh, our registration system, which I will absolutely pimp out uh, MAGFest, uh, for providing to us the software. Uh, MAGFest has been wonderful in helping us, um, develop our own version of their, their registration software, but it does require a decent number of laptops for the attendees to be able to type their information in and registration to actually utilize to, to, to go through the line. But once it's up and running, it's an amazingly fast thing. Like all 1600 people checked in within like two or three hours at most. That's, it was an amazing speed. Yeah, that was speed. screwed up. I, I was actually concerned. I was like, there's nobody in line for registration. And it's like Friday afternoon. And I'm like, oh, my God, did nobody come? I'm going to lose my shirt. I'm going to go bankrupt. No, oh, my they God. Were all at the <laughs> and, they, and, and they told me, turn to your right and look. And the entire venue was full. And I was like, oh. Never mind. Yes. <laughs> Your registration is just ungodly fast, and you deserve an award. All of them, in fact. <laughs> and that was actually some of our feedback uh, that we received, that people basically said, oh, my God, I was through registration in, like, 30 seconds. Like, I've never gone to a con and and been through registration that quickly, except for MAGFest. MAGFest does, like, 15 to 20-something thousand people, and they blow through that number very fast. They, I, I, again, kudos to MAGFest for developing it because their software is is a monster. You can blow through the process very quickly, and they've developed it all themselves specifically. 
uh, again, very, very, uh, very uh, happy to work with those guys. And I have to pimp out DerpyCon um, because. <laughs> That, what con. kind of convention is that? She uh, asked. They're, they're a pan fandom event. They have strong elements of the uh, brony uh, element as well uh. as other sci-fi <laughs> elements. Um, and they're in the Northeast. They take place in New Jersey. Um, and uh, they they lent us their registration laptops um, that the software ran on. And uh, we really couldn't have done it without Anthony's assistance, the showrunner for that. Um, so we will pimp him out. For forever, to because he helped us. Oh, that's and then, marvelous. Um, you know, some of our friends um, uh, for other events, uh, Gilded Festival, mm-hmm. um, helped us with their their performance crew. Yeah, and they're actually doing a Time Travelers Festival in Cape May, New Jersey, this September. So, yeah. um, it's going to be uh, like a living city of like Doctor Who and time travel people. Yeah. Oh, so wow. I highly recommend you check out Gilded Festival. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I mean, we had amazing support, but the reality is, ex- you know, equipment's expensive. You know, if you want to go out and buy like twenty or thirty laptops, you're talking thousands upon thousands of dollars, even <laughs> if you bought the yeah. cheapy low end ones. Um, and video projectors and microphones and all the cabling and all that other stuff. We we own some of it from Intervention and we build up every year a little bit more. But Intervention is a much smaller event. It's you know on average has been in the eight to nine hundred person event range, mm-hmm. and that's after five years uh, of of development. This one obviously was easily double that size and very likely to be triple that size by next year. Um, so scaling works much faster for a fandom event than something that's a bit more educational. Um, and it's basically, you know, we can rent that equipment, but even renting can cost anywhere from five to $10,000 a year. Um, so, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things where every dollar that we save uh, on having to deal with that goes directly into bringing another high quality guest or being able to provide more interesting services or fun activities. So that's where that comes from for for needing. So how did you how did you manage to get all of those wonderful guests all all well, on your first year? Well, here's the simplest we, thing. We just asked, we asked them. them. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, the, the, we asked it, it's them. that simple. We asked them, they looked us up and they were like, "Oh shit, we're in." Well, again, here's the thing. When you've done an event that is so community oriented, um, intervention is not a money-making deal. We we break even on average. Some years we've been a dinky bit below. Some years we actually had a few thousand dollars for the next year to start off. But we don't do that event to make money. It's literally a community-based event where we really want to give back to the community of online artists and, and DIY indie artists uh, that we are a part of and have been a part of. Um, and when you do that and you do it so, you know, as earnestly as we have, the reputation gets out there. And <coughs> excuse me, when we talk to these people, they look us up. I mean, they're not just going to, you know, whatever. Uh, and in fact, one of the wonderful things that Tom Baker sent us was a written thing where he wrote out on another piece of uh, another one of the photo sheets. You know, I, I, I think that what you guys do for artists is is very admirable. Oh, that's and wonderful. We're framing that because, you know, for for Tom to to see what we did um and and to really understand what we're shooting for 
And the same thing is true for Regeneration Who. It's a community event. We do this, you know, we don't get salaries out of the event. Um, and we were doing it because we love the fandom, but we also love the actors and we love everybody involved. And it resonated. And, and again, we talked to these guys and we were straightforward. We were like, this is what we want to do. Um, and we would love you to be part of the event. And almost universally, almost everybody who was available, uh, for the event this year that we were able to contact, um, joined in on it. Um, and it just turned out to be this great combo. It just built and built and built. And we couldn't believe, um, how well and how much we were able to bring together, you know, two doctors, their, their main companions, um, some of the great people who wrote for this, for the series, as well as for, uh, the, the novels and all that stuff. Um, you know, uh, Andrew Cartmel, who was the script editor for Sylvester McCoy's um, final season, you know, things like that. It was just it, it I, I literally was shocked as it went how well it came together. And it was just amazing. You've been um, you've been running intervention for uh, uh, five years. And yes. Yeah. And um, out of that, uh, have you seen any? Noteworthy people rise to rise to the floor that that uh, that oh, got yeah, their start should... at, at your convention. Any, yeah, yeah, there well, must be um, success stories out of that networking. Oh yeah, yeah. Sticky Plenty. Comics now has a column in Cosmopolitan magazine where she does comics. <laughs> Sticky yeah, comics. yeah, she she does things on uh, sticky, you know, like uh, notepads, and um, oh. yeah, so she she went there. Uh, uh, Nicole Deeker who uh, basically we gave her her start. We She she started off as a musician who did a lot of music uh, related to... Geek to, Rock. Yeah, to Geek Rock and also to web comics and stuff. She started off with that, but then she, um, you know, having come to our event, she hooked up with other people. She now writes, writes uh, a fairly regular column for places like The Daily Dot and also... Boing Boing. Boing mm-hmm. Boing, um, as well as many other places... Um, we've had numerous comics. We have that, uh, Mike, Michael Doherty who got funding for his film. Yeah, because um, of intervention. And many, many comics have gone on to start new projects and directly come out of our event and do kickstarters for anywhere from thirty to over a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and then most of the guests at Intervention tend to get scouted by other conventions. So you know that those may not be paying opportunities, but that's like opportunities to get in with a much larger convention because they know we don't work with idiots. So oh, they know yes. that generally we're a good place to just find good people. You turn yeah, into I mean, a talent Ameri- pool for conventions. Well, you know, in the Maryland area, many of the, uh, the the people who do indie films and stuff have started to show their stuff at our at our event, and the number of requests to do so has skyrocketed because basically, if you show it at our event, other events will go. Oh, if they feel it's worth it, then we don't even have to worry about it. We know that we can just go with it. Yeah, it's pre-vetted. Yeah. It's, yeah so it's so it's been amazing to be able to help so many people with their careers uh, uh, to be able to do that sort of stuff and move to the next level. And it's, you know, every year we just look at it as the the, the time of year that we can see these guys again and, and, um, and really just come together. If you go to the interventioncon.com website, there's a, like a one-minute video that Nicole did um, and it pretty much sums the whole thing up and it's, it's a, it's a really great thing. She, it was all her words. It's no script 
uh, from our part, and she we just said just she wanted her, to do it. Look at the camera and say whatever you honestly feel. Oh, yeah. wow! That's wonderful. Uh, I've it, been. That doesn't always work. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you put me in front of a camera and I just go blank. You know, I just <laughs> I can I can talk on the radio all day long, but if I've got a, a lens staring at me for some reason, my head empties. I'm trying to get over that one. It's but, definitely uh, scary. I have to. Admit. Oh yeah. Well, you know. Because you're thinking not only about what you're saying, but about your energy and your pose and your profile and the silhouette and, you know, the pacing and all the that. The lettuce in your teeth. It, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> exactly. it, it's, it's not easy. And, and people who act on camera, boy, I'm telling you, you know, you, if you, if you've never done it yourself and you see a bad performance, you know, oh, yeah. you have a different appreciation once you try it yourself, I'll tell you. Game shows oh, yeah. in particular. Yes. Uh, but the, um, um, what I was going to, say was that, uh, you know, a, a lot of my knowledge about you, Oni, is um, uh, through the things that you post on your Facebook page, and you are uh, the one of the more nurturing, positive voices uh, in, in my sphere of awareness. You are, uh, you help bring out the best in, in the people who work for you and everybody else around you. And uh, how did you get to a space where that was normal for you? Basically, I just give people the advice I give myself because I think the people that follow me tend to be various versions of me, either in the past, present, or future. Like, you know, I, I see people and I'm like, oh, they remind me of me when I was first starting out. Or they remind me of me when they plateaued for the first time and didn't know what to do. So, I mean, the trick really is that I'm just giving the advice that I need to give myself on any particular day. And I just share it with everybody else. And that's why it's real. Yeah, one of the things that we got recruited to do at many events before we started Intervention, and in fact, in addition to us, what we do with Intervention, is we were well known for being very good at motivating people. Um, we both have backgrounds in sociology and psychology studies. Um, and we, again, sort of like thinking about how you do an event, like what what are people looking for? Well, that comes from thinking about, well, what are people looking for in their own experience? And we're just those type of people. We're just the type of people that will go out of our way in any way we can to help people just because that's what we feel is what we want to do in life. Um, and we are so. Here's, here's the secret. When you, when you meet an asshole, the real truth is that that's a cry for help. Assholes are weak people. It takes a really strong person to stand up in a bad day and smile at somebody when all you want to do is punch somebody in the face. And, you know, it's kind of like a paraphrase of some... What Henry Rollins has said stuff like this. Like, that's some weak shit. You know, you, you have yes. to... The person that doesn't crack is the person that is really like a Viking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and there you go. That's another reason you're so awesome. You like Henry Rollins. Exactly. <laughs> he is the best. I actually wanted him to marry Harknell and I as as the officiant, but... Um, I wasn't nearly as well known when we got married, and we couldn't afford a uh, wedding anyway. So okay, <laughs> yeah, I've actually but, met him a couple of times. He's an awesome guy, and definitely one of those self-starters that uh, you know I, I look up to. You know, lacking a lot of motivation to self-start, you know, my own stuff. Um, but I can see why you guys, you know, like him. 
Oh yeah, I and mean he, his he, history. He's a lot. He's a lot like what I would say in different circumstances. And weird fact, he actually hangs out with Robert Picardo from Star Trek and oh, William Shatner. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Well, yeah, I'm not? pretty sure they had things. They met up event. They met up at an event a while ago, and they all became fast friends. And yeah, they end up going to like Thanksgiving or something yeah. together wow. on average. <laughs> I, I, think, I think Bill Nye the science guy hangs out with them too. Yeah, it's oh, freaky weird. those connections. The, the, the visual in my head of, you know, Henry Rollins, Robert Picardo, William Shatner. It's a musical Bill Nye day. The science isn't it? Guy. Huh. Yeah, that that's some hardcore geekery right there. <laughs> I really wish I could hear the conversations, man. They should podcast the hell out of those those meetups. Oh and, god, yes. Yeah, I I many people would pay for that. It would just be insane. <laughs> And, and one of the interesting things is there is a personal element for what we do because when we first started doing events, uh, an amusing thing was that um, Oni was mostly the person they would they would put on panels. Uh, she was the artist. She was the creator of our of the original webcomic. Eventually, down the line, I joined her in, in doing writing on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was the one that was mostly on panels. And there were a few times where she wanted, you know, for whatever circumstances, she was like, oh, well, can you join me on the panel? Because we need somebody else to balance this out. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm terrified. I don't want to be in front of anybody. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. But then she dragged me on the panel. And eventually, after doing a few of them, I actually became comfortable with it to the point where now, personally, my own growth, like, you know, obviously, I'm not terrified of being on this podcast with you guys. We go and we do panels at our events as well as others. Well, we've been on TV. Yeah, we've been on TV. That was, that we've been was on radio. That you weren't scared of that either. Yeah, that's so. That it's, it's helped us a lot personally ourselves as well. That's that's the other thing uh, that the audience may not know about Oni. Uh, you um, are a connoisseur of haunted houses. Yeah, it's it's weird, but that's what happened in my life, so I went with it. <laughs> and you've, de- you've developed uh, you've developed a national reputation for that. Yeah, I'm the go-to person at Halloween time when people want to know what haunted house to go to. I'm who the radio and the TV people want to talk to. The, the name the thing, like Oni. The thing about <laughs> that which, again, which means it, demon or goblin in Japanese, which is yeah, yeah that's will, fun. That's Teen Wolf fans the world over, you know, will hear that there's an Oni on this podcast and freak out because of that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that ended up being sort of, again, out of something that we like to do. You know, we we like uh, the idea of going to haunted attractions, um, and it was just a shared thing. I mean, I've liked that ever since I was, I was young, um, but I never really had much of an opportunity. So we decided to start doing it because it's something we can do as a couple and, and have fun with. And we just started documenting it on her blog. And we started noticing how many people were reading the reviews that it it just basically went through the roof really fast. And it's an example, again, of thinking about what people want. I mean, there are plenty of places where you can go and they're shills. You know, they're being paid to put up basically, quote unquote, reviews. And you can tell whenever they're all positive Mm-hmm. That you know, like completely positive, and everything's amazing. And it that sounds like it was written by like a copywriter, uh, you know, somebody who would have written the advertisement for the place. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, you and tell. we just basically say real world crap. Like, you know, if you're going to go here, don't skip this one because, quite frankly, it was boring. Or, or hey, you know, this was really great, and if you have children, this is the one to go to. 
you know, we, we do it like what we think people would really want to know about. Captain Real Talk. Yeah, and it, and it <laughs> resonates with people. You know? That's and, awesome. And the best part about it is when we go to the actual events themselves, like the, the haunted attractions, when we talk to the actual people who run them, they understand that we're not there. We're not there to, like, get a free ticket. We're not there to, like, you know, snow job them, try to squeeze money out of them or whatever. I mean, we basically walk up and go, hey, we love this stuff. We know you love it because that's why you're doing it. Um, and we're, we're real about this whole deal. And by the way, we also run events, so we understand how difficult it is. And we're not going to just say this wasn't perfect because blah, blah, blah. You know, we're going to go, hey, we recognize that they may have been having a tough night because of X, Y, and Z. So the thing is, they understand, again, that we're there because we believe in the industry. We're not there to down anybody. We really want people to do and learn and help themselves. Like if we, Many of them have actually told us later that we help them by pointing out things that weren't quite right because they couldn't see some of it themselves mm -hmm. being so deep into it. And they made their, their own event better after reading our review. That's awesome. Uh, we're just about coming to the end of our hour. Before we go, do you have... I'd like to ask the, the, the usual trick question, which is, what advice would you give a new artist or creator with a, a passion who wants to get their project started and out there in the world? I would say understand that you're going to have to build a house. That house is going to have bricks, so you're going to need to build those bricks. What actually makes those bricks up is going to be your failures. You are going to have to fail a lot. Those failures are going to make the bricks. Then you're going to stack them and make your house a fail, and you're going to live in it, and then you'll finally be successful. Boom. Basically, my take on it is also motivation is the biggest thing. A lot of times, it, and this is the dumbest illusion, uh, uh, dumbest thing I don't know, uh, my house one do. was pretty awesome. I've always, I've, always, I've always said this. In the classic episode of the Thundercats. Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> when Lionel has to prove that he's the true king of the Thundercats, he has to run the race against Chitara. And he basically says to uh, Panthro, there's no way. I can't beat Ch It's literally impossible. I will never beat Chitara in a race. She's 20,000 times faster than me. And Panthro says to him, the secret, it's the long haul. You just keep going and don't try to beat her initially. Just keep going. And basically the reality is motivation is just keep going. If everybody else around you stops because they feel that they're never going to be a success, but you keep going, you will be a success eventually. People give up way too early. You know, there's this whole mem that people have said online. Oh, if you're a web, if you're a web comic, if you're not like, huge in one year give up because you'll never be huge you know what that's that that kind of talk is the reason why most people do a blog five times and stop the, or, or comic the reality is if you keep doing it and you keep doing good work eventually people will find it as long as you do the social media you actually connect with things and you do of course good work and and you keep consistency so that's number one motivation keep doing it never doubt that you will do good work if you know you're doing good work and that people will, will believe in it. 
And also research. Do your research on what you're doing. So if you want to do a comic, understand exactly how long it takes you to do the comic and don't have a pie-in-the-sky notion. You know, a lot of people will be like, oh, to, to do a successful comic, I have to do it three times a week, you know, forever. And the thing is, you may discover you can't do three a week, but you struggle and you struggle and you're failing and, you, you know, you can't get them up in time. Just be realistic. Figure out how you can do it and then do it at the pace that makes sense for you. And, and that's it. You know, motivation and figure out exactly what you can do and do it on the best schedule you can. And, and of course, you know, come to our events and learn. <laughs> <laughs> Oni Hartstein, James Hartnell, thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of The Event Horizon here on Krypton Radio. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. We appreciated it. Woohoo! <laughs> great. What a great episode. Yay! Thank you guys. We appreciate we definitely love being on on uh podcasts and we you know, we love being able to talk with yeah, other people is, who this are. This one's cool. a radio show. You have just heard episode ninety five of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for April fourth, twenty fifteen. Our guests have been Oni Hartstein and her husband James Hartnell, the showrunners of Regeneration Who the wildly successful Doctor Who convention that had its debut in the last weekend in March in 2015 in Hunt Valley, Maryland. Your hosts have been Krypton Radio Station Manager Jim Turnbow, our executive producer Susan Fox, and guest panelist Liz Carley. If you are an author or other creator and would like to be on the show, contact our production manager Kat Carter at catcarter at kryptonradio.com. This episode will air again on April 5th, 2015 at 4 p.m. Pacific and at various additional times throughout the coming week. See the Krypton Radio website at kryptonradio.com for showtimes in your area. Once all the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode and others as downloads at the Krypton Radio website and on iTunes and Stitcher's podcasts. Even Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turner. The science officer was played by Mark Hermeister. The engineer was played by Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by legendary science fiction writer Larry Niven. This program and its contents, except where provided by others, are copyright 2015 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon. It's sci-fi. For your Wi-Fi.